Hi everyone, uh, welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the podcast. Officially it's Episode 17, I think, but um, I, I decided to, for continuity reasons, to split it up into seasons, 15 episodes per season, um, and I meant to uh, sandwich a album review in between the last episode and this one, but I didn't have time to do it, so no worries. Um, but, yeah, today, uh, we have another guest. We have Eli Froment. Um, he's a really good friend of mine from School of Rock. We've known each other pretty much since I joined. Um, and he's also in one of the bands I'm in called Grindstone. He's an absolutely phenomenal guitarist and a really good... Uh, just overall musician, concept-wise, he has a really good handle on a lot of those things, and uh, it's always cool to watch him do his thing. Um, so, yeah, hi Eli, how you doing? Hey man, uh, thank you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, it's just it's awesome to be on here, man. Uh, I've listened for a while. It's just you know great to be able to have a one-on-one with you, good sir. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it is weird because we don't, I mean, it's weird how you realize, like, ever since the pandemic, you don't really have very many one-on-ones anymore, you know? Like, we have never, we, n- not never, we, it's been rare where we've truly been just you and I, it's always been a group or something like that, um, and, uh, yeah, it's, I, I keep noticing weird new changes in pace and I'm just like that didn't happen before or that wasn't very common or isn't common anymore or stuff like that it's weird yeah don't get me wrong I love like I love like group dynamics I love being in a group with people but it's just there's there's a very different vibe I guess that's the best word I can have for it I don't really know a better word there's a very different vibe talking to someone someone one-on-one it's just I almost, I almost like it better because I can. I feel like I love getting to know people. Absolutely. So I, it's it, it's great to really be able to talk with somebody and get to know them like that. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah. So today was. Um, the last couple of days have been busier for me than usual in terms of, like, actually doing stuff other than stuff around the house. Like, we, for the past two days, we've been, like, frivolously Christmas shopping. Um, and yeah. if, if it were my, me and my dad's choice, we would just order everything. Um, but, uh, my, even with the pandemic, my stepmom is a, a pretty big traditionalist. She does like to physically still go out and do things. And so every once in a while we, we do, do th- those things in a safe manner for sure. Um, but it was kind of spooky. Uh, yesterday we went to the Independence Mall and, oh my gosh, dangerously packed. Like, not good. So many people, man. Um, And, like, you know, we were masked up trying to stay our distance the whole time, but every store was just nearly shoulder to shoulder. I couldn't believe it. Um, It's it's as if it, it, you know, it doesn't exist for people, you know. They just, they're like, oh, whatever, it's fine. And, 
you know people yeah. people totally ignore the the pandemic stuff until it starts knocking on your door um and i know that from experience i think we all do um because you know i thought uh, i'll admit there was a point where i myself felt kind of untouchable you know and then suddenly i have more and more friends and even bandmates at points who are getting it and i'm just like oh yikes like it's close it's closer than we all think and i think people should recognize that <clears throat> yeah um definitely been feeling that too i'm lucky to have like nobody in like my actual family yet yet it probably someone's gonna get it eventually um but nobody yet has contracted it yet but i definitely feel what you mean on it kind of closing in mm -hmm. i'm not gonna say specifically who it is for sure even though yeah. i'm pretty sure they'd be cool with it because i think they literally told us in house band but someone in house band literally got it and was gone for a couple of weeks actually two people i think one person was almost but another person actually did have it like they tested positive all the whole nine yards it was yeah. kind of freaky because that was like the first person that i personally knew like like personally knew like really knew like there were people like kind of like offhandedly knew like acquaintances and stuff that had had it but it was the first person that i just i really you know was around a lot really you know i just knew them that had it Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely am. Yeah, it's starting to just slowly vice grip in there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm eventually, I'm pretty sure someone in my family, in my house, is gonna catch it, and it's just gonna be a mess because my grandma lives here. Yeah, it's, it's spooky, but um, I, uh, I am sort of erring on the side of positivity looking at the vaccine situation like of course i i and i'm absolutely sure that it's gonna be a long time before people like us have access to something like that but um it's just good to know that that is it's it's closer than we thought it would be and they're working on it faster than expected um and there's a surprising amount of people who are already getting vaccinated. I actually came across someone on Facebook yesterday who who isn't a frontline worker or a politician, and she managed to get the vaccine. She was probably a part of the trial program, and then she got, you know, she got admitted into the final version. Or final. I mean, there's going to be a lot of versions, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Um... So you said you had something interesting to talk about. Was that was that the KFC yeah. console? <laughs> yeah, I have you actually like seen it, or just have you only heard about it? I've seen pictures, and I saw an article recently that made me oh, laugh, and it, it it said the KFC console might actually bear competition against the PS5, and I was like, what? Well, it, it it's it's um it's so gimmicky, but the gimmick is so good. So, you know, with your normal computers, consoles, you know, whatever have you, you just you just say heat go away. And you push it out with fans. Yeah. Well, a KFC console, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but it has like a thing. You put chicken in, 
and it diverts the heat from the computer to keep the chicken warm in its pan. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> oh, this sounds like a disaster, but I'm interested. <laughs> as a connoisseur of KFC chicken, <laughs> I am very intrigued because I can't get a freaking next-gen console because screw you, scalpers. <laughs> right, right. Now I'm now here's the next inquiry. Uh, are competitive are our chicken restaurant competitors gonna hop on this? And are we gonna see a Popeye's console, a church's <laughs> console, etc.? I don't know. Yeah, dude, I, like, I mean break the duopoly of the console war, I guess, you know? Yeah, we had we had air cooling, we had water cooling, and now uh, chicken, or should I say protein cooling, will be the new norm. <laughs> um, I mean, it's actually, given that it's executed well, it's actually kind of genius, because, I mean, there's a lot of uh, wasted energy there. You could use it to cook your freaking chicken, man. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I mean, hey, being more green, saving the environment. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, it's just I like I busted out laughing so hard whenever I like I watched a a video from Quartering. I don't know who if you know who they are. They're kind of a newsy channel, but they do a bunch of different stuff like uh, tech news. I mean politics. They they kind of just go do everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I mean, I legitimately thought it was a joke video. I thought he was just. Like he used to just be like, ah, oh, I'm just joshing you, man. <laughs> you know, uh, but no, it's it's real, and I have a feeling it's gonna be so wacky that it's actually gonna catch on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very possible. I mean, I'm trying to think of examples in which gimmicks actually turned into something ex successful. I mean, I know Elon Musk does a pretty good job at that. Um, but but with him, it's kind of different, because, like, I, <laughs> people... The, the thing with Elon Musk is people, is people don't take his remarks seriously. Like, if, if Elon Musk tweets one day, which he did, he tweets... Man, this LA traffic is really annoying. I should just build a tunnel under the city. People would think he's joking, right? No, he starts a company called The Boring Company and he builds tunnels under Los Angeles and puts cars in them. Like, he's serious when he says those things. He doesn't actually joke. And that's the scary part. It's like, oh, I'm gonna, gonna go to send a car into space, people would be like, yeah, no. Yeah, he did it. And then it just worked. <laughs> well, the thing is, I don't think it, I don't think it's that he's not joking. I think it's just that he has enough money to indulge his jokes and actually just go through with them. Yeah. Yeah, that, that too. I was actually, I was watching, I totally forgot what it was. It may have been a Twitch stream where this guy was being interviewed but this content creator was being interviewed and he told a story about the day he was invited to Elon Musk's house and I don't exactly know what the circumstances were or why he was invited 
but he went to Elon's house and he was like, it's really hard to have a sense of humor near Elon Musk because every joke you make, he will take seriously. <laughs> and so, and so, like there, he said there were a lot of times where he jokingly or frivol frivolously said things, and then Elon would like ramble for the next two hours about how that could actually be real or a serious thing, and he lays it all out. I'm trying to remember an example he talked about. I think I think he um he talked about how um there he uh, one of one of the people in the room was like what if you had a gaming setup on Mars, right? And and like how could you get like a next-gen gaming setup to function properly? away from Earth. Could it still connect to Earth anyway? Could you possibly run it wirelessly, etc. And, and, but I think the way he mentioned that, someone else mentioned that, was in a joking manner, like, oh, we'll just game on Mars or something like that. Something really simple. And like, Elon took that as like a serious inquiry, and he was like, oh, well, it's, it is quite simple. You would simply uh, upload this layer and blah, 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 blah. And he went into, like, all the networking diagnostics, gave specific numbers on how the connection would be between Mars and Earth, established exactly what kind of internet devices would work best on that wavelength. He knew it all, simply from that. And so he's thought about that before. <laughs> all he needs to do is do it. <laughs> I mean, bro, imagine imagine the ping playing Call of Duty on Mars. <laughs> it's like the first, first, you know, streamer to be streaming from Mars, the latency would be like 45 <laughs> minutes behind or something. <laughs> Jeez. Need all of the signal boosters. Literally <laughs> all of them. I mean, because, yeah, like, even just um, our fiber optics going, like, in the ocean... I mean, there are, like, m many signal boosters along that to make sure the signal gets across the pond. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't even know how you'd manage to do that across freaking space, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I've been, I've been thinking a lot about space as of recent, especially with the, um, those, those recent, the recent event where, uh, Mars and Jupiter were like visible right next to each other. Have you, or I mean, Saturn and Jupiter were visible right next to each other in the sky. Have you seen any of those pictures? I've seen them. I wish I knew. I would have knew that was going on. I would have gone and looked at them for myself. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't see anything about that. Some crazy pictures, because those are my two favorite planets. To see them neighboring each other like that in the sky is really interesting. Um, yeah, it's like. Um, forgot uh, and then at one point i think the planets actually like created a little mini eclipse they like actually crossed each other and for just a second they were both like aligned in the sky but i think it was just for a split second it didn't happen for long um totally weird man <laughs> yeah and then the nighttime pictures were able to pick up more light off of the planet's reflect reflections and so a lot of the nighttime pictures were actually able to pick up, like, some of Jupiter's moons reflecting off of the sky. So you would see 
that giant dot, which would be Jupiter, and then like four or five stars around it, and those stars were just moons, and I was like, that's crazy. Um, at least to see just a few of them, because I know Jupiter and Saturn both have like, what, like 70 to 90 moons apiece or something? I don't know. It's ridiculous, but... Yeah, it's um, it's just crazy to think about the scale of all that, you know? Mm. I mean, we're looking at it through our freaking little telescopes here. Yeah. Um, just watching literally intergalactic bodies just going across our freaking solar system. Just like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Jeez, I just almost fell over. Um, my, my chair is currently broken. One of the wheels is gone, so it, it goes back way further than it should. Um, hmm. Yeah, um, trying to think about, I guess I, I don't have as many talking points as I should have. Uh, what have you been listening to recently, music-wise? It's kind of odd, um, uh, my, at least mix-wise. I still am like, you know, you're, you're a metal guy, you know, you got, you got Tool going on and all of that. Um, but I've recently really, really been sinking into lo-fi stuff. Mm. Um, it's a very specific kind of lo-fi, though. It's not like uh, not necessarily like um, genre genre-wise, but mixing-wise. Like for me, I can't. I just don't like my ears. Just don't like really piercing like i guess beat tracks you know like really piercing snares right, yeah really piercing um hi-hat i really like the really kind of like lo-fied i guess is the best way to describe it um eq'd beat tracks like where it just sounds really muffled especially for like doing my school stuff and having it on the background if i have that really sharp snare on the track it just will oh Sorry about that. I have a. I don't know if you can hear that. I have a clock in the background, and on the hour, it does like a thing. No worries. Um. But it just will really take me out of my, I guess, flow. Mm. It'll it'll just really distract me. So I have I literally have a curated playlist I've made of like songs that don't really bother my ears. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's um. That's interesting. Oh, weirdly enough, <laughs> uh, I would, uh, I totally understand like where you're coming from there. So like, it's still totally relatable. Um, but at the same time, I'm on the opposite of that scale, and I prefer drums that literally feel like they're about to break my neck, like just <laughs> like absolutely skull-crushing like rhythms and stuff. Um, and uh, but at the same time, there are times in which I prefer a minimalist mix or a drum that's, you know, just sort of on on the lower end, not so pitchy or anything. And and I can totally see that with lo-fi, because in lo-fi music specifically, if the drums are just way too out there in front of the mix, then I can s totally see why that can be jarring. Um, I've actually... Um, I'll have to send this to you after this. I sent it to Jace after our episode, um, but I've made a, uh, essentially a playlist of every release, every music release in 2020 that I've been anticipating or listening to, 
and um, it's it's uh, almost finished. It's gonna cap off at 300 songs. Um, and I told Jace last episode that it'd be 275, but just recently there were a ton of releases that I didn't see coming, and I had to add those. But um, but I the original when I first tried to make that playlist, it was like a huge mess um, because. I was adding, I was trying to build a playlist that was like really, almost like a dynamic experience akin to my listening habits. So the way the playlist progressed without turning shuffle on was like the way my listening habits evolved throughout the year. Um, And the playlist is still in that format, but I had trouble getting the playlist to like a comfortable user-friendly level because it got to the point where it was like over 500 songs. Nobody's gonna sit through that. Um, and so, so I was like, okay, I need to stop like repeating songs from the same albums and stuff because there were often times where I'd listen to an album in this playlist and only one song stuck out to me, so I would add it. And then I would return to that album a few months later, and more songs stuck out to me, so then I'd add them later. Um, But now, with this new playlist, to keep it as minimalist as possible, I just add the single favorite songs from each album. But sometimes I choose a less favorite song just so I don't spoil something interesting for the listener. Um, Depends on the musician, really. Um, But... But anyways, to the point, with this playlist, um, I have essentially musical palette cleansers, like every 15 to 20 songs, um, so that are that are just lo-fi beats, like really simplistic lo-fi. So if you've listened to like 15 or 20 minutes of really rapidly changing, like I don't know, it could be like metal to folk music to indie to classical to metal, whatever it might be. And then you're 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 gonna feel a bit jarred after that, like oh jeez, that was a bit much. And so then there's just a simple lo-fi beat to sort of clean your head and prepare you for the next round. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I've set it up in that way, and it'll either be a lo-fi beat or like a a really um you uh, just recently when I've almost finalized the playlist, it's usually. Um, one or two lo-fi beats, and then like a really relaxing jazz production. Um, there's this this artist that I found recently through uh, a musician that I work with. Um, the artist's name is Adrian Young, um, but I don't know if all of these were made by him because he collaborates with like dozens of other people. But it's a it's an album series called Jazz Is Dead, um, and the the name is actually sort of a like an opposite to what the music is the music is more of like a jazz revival um and so uh there are currently five albums in the series and they're all really phenomenal and so i i added one song from each album in the series to the playlist and each one of those songs is you know spaced out to where it breaks up the flow a bit makes it less jarring but it won't be perfect. I feel like if you listen to the whole playlist in one sitting, it would probably make you go insane. I would definitely <laughs> definitely tell someone to pace themselves, but I feel like it's formatted in a way that's really comfortable. Because I, I've tried my best to, to establish a lot of pacing. Like, you know, there's, there's probably not going to be any point 
or there may be a few, but it'll be rare where you find a song that's like really soft and mellow, and then immediately after that there's like a really heavy track. I usually try and create build-ups, so if there's a mellow track, I'll add one after it that's just a little bit higher in energy, and then higher, then higher, then higher. And then once you get to that heavy track, it's almost like a natural crescendo. Um, so yeah, I'm very serious about playlists. They have to flow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel I tried to do that whenever we had our gig. I think on uh, back in October, and that's what I was trying to go for. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just it uh, with the material we had. There was gonna be a spot where it just kind of ha- there was a big jump. I don't even remember the the setlist order anymore. Um, but I remember we started with Virginia Moon, which was really really low. Mm-hmm. And then there was a song, there was, I don't know what song we did after that. I don't remember, it's been a couple months now. <laughs> um, but I just I just remember being not totally happy with the list, because just, there there was, no matter what, what we did, there was going to be a big jump in energy, it didn't, it just didn't feel quite natural. Yeah. But, eh, I mean, do what you can do. Eh. I th- I think our, I think it still turned out well. For sure. Yeah, I couldn't. I definitely there were points where it got really tricky. I think especially the end of the playlist. Like I'm on I think there're only going to be like two more songs added by New Year's, but cuz on New Year's is when I'll finish it and then send it to social media and everything, but um the last like 15 to 25 songs were really hard to organize in a way that felt comfortable because most of it is just really harsh stuff. I finished the year off listening to really depressing metal. Like, uh, not even necessarily metal, more like experimental, like chamber rock, like um, almost orchestral to a degree, or more like just one big soundscape. But it was hard for me to organize that um, section without it just being a really consistent drag so I tried to pace it in a way to where it feels like it's consistently changing and being inter- interesting I guess um, yeah yeah man um, yeah whenever uh, that comes up I will definitely be binge listening to that I like I've I've I used to be like that with that uh, that tool, no pun intended, um, that was just like, metal, metal's the best, your music sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I, I just love, I just love listening now, you know, it's just, there's obviously some stuff that just, it just won't, it just doesn't gel with me and probably never will, but mm-hmm. I, you're talking about it being kind of jarring, good. <laughs> I yeah. want the, I want the differences. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I think I told Jace the same thing. Like, I think with this playlist, you'll absolutely find a lot of new things that you like, and maybe even things that you knew about but like. Um, but there's also going to be, I'm certain there will be a good chunk of things that just don't gel with you, and that's okay. That's the point of the playlist. To the, the point of the playlist is more or less to show how my music taste is changing, um, and if it doesn't fit with yours, it's totally fine. Um, but there's a good chunk of uh, there's a good chunk of everything for everyone in there. Like there's 
There's, at, at some points, there's even straight-up pop tracks that, you know, someone, a casual radio listener would, would enjoy. Um, so, I, yeah. Um, I've tried to make it really accessible, but really, like, specific to me at the same time. Um, yeah, man. That, I mean, that sounds, that sounds great. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I can't, I can't wait to listen to it whenever you, you put it out there, you know? <laughs> Uh, so how's um how's it been going with your other two projects, man? I know we don't uh, we don't talk about those too much, like whenever we're actually together, because usually the only time we're together is when we're working on our stuff. Yeah, those are going well. Um, Formalities hasn't uh, met up uh, in a while, of course, but um, there we just recently had sort of a. A mental breakthrough as a group, and I think uh, I think there's a revival coming um, because yeah, I remember hearing hearing that uh, about that last episode. Yes, oh, you just coming and being like, "Let's go, man!" Yeah, yeah. I mean, our um, not not that it was Luke's idea alone. Um, I think we we all came to a mutual agreement to to take some time to think about our musical approach and just make sure we're not creating something that's unnatural or insincere um and i I think at one point um luke just by himself hit this point where he was like "I i don't know if this is for sure so luke i'm gonna have you on an episode eventually so correct me later if this is wrong but i'm gonna guess that you had uh you realized that you were thinking too much maybe or maybe just overthinking or being too critical towards your own uh music maybe um that's my guess because i have similar mental structures there but i think at one point he was just like why am i even caring about this really and so he he came to us one day and he was got he was like guys let's release like a demo tape of everything we've been working on and we were just like yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. Let's do it. Um, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a demo. It's just meant to show yeah. people what you got going on. You know, yeah. it, it's it's mainly you know for us to blow off steam, but also because the the main thing that we're always told at the end of a show, at the few shows we've had, is where can I find you guys? Where can I listen? And we always have to give them the disappointing nowhere. You can't find us anywhere. Um, and so they're always really sad about that when we have to tell them that we're not published in any way. And so I feel like if we just, if we throw out some material, doesn't matter what it is, just throw it out and see the response it gets, that's all we want, really, you know? Um, and we're, we're not really worried about the reaction or the reviews or the the true opinion people have on it. We just want to express ourselves and however feels good. Because we've already been destroyed before. I mean, our at our first at our first official show. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember that. No, it was I'm, our second. I'll, I'll let you say what your your, yeah, no your thing. Yeah. yeah, it was our second official show at Records with Merit. Um, around, I think it's in the Westport area. Um, but there was there was a music critic there. Um, and he ended up publishing a review of our show later, and uh, he called us um, like a tacky Radiohead clone, um, and and said that our sound was just uh, 
abrasive and generic all at the same time. And at first we took that personally, like the night it was published, we were like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Um, but then, but then eventually we were like, wait a minute, no, that's exactly, you know, exactly the wrong way to react because music critics have always had questionable opinions and they always will. There's no reason to fight it. Um, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many critics looked at the new Tool album and said it sucked. Um, but then I look at then I look at all of the listeners, the true Tool fans. They're all for it. Like the critics will never agree with you. So it's just good to get that out there. Yeah. Per- personal footnote on the whole uh, <laughs> uh, review uh, critics. Uh, I'm gonna quotation marks music ex- s wow experts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Am I allowed to curse on here? Yeah. I mean, I'll just switch the episode over to explicit if you want. Okay, I won't do that because that'll probably keep you keep you off. I mean, you know, recommendations and stuff. Yeah, it'll happen eventually, so if you ever feel the need, just go for it. I have some, some other guests coming up who are, I'm absolutely sure are just going to be absolute sailors in here cussing left and right, but we'll see. Um, okay. <laughs> well, then this is for all you you fans out there. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. I mean, cause like the the number one reason I saw, at least that from like my observations that people gave for not liking it, was that it was just a ten thousand days continuation. And my me in my corner, I'm like, what's the problem? That album was awesome, right? I yeah. mean, I mean, you have you have t- Wings for Mary, an absolute prog metal masterpiece, in my opinion. You have arguably one of the most catchy uh, prog songs, in my opinion, "The Pot." Mm-hmm. You have you have Rosetta Stoned. You have you have the crazy weird intro to Vicarious, and yep. then you have the jaw dropping just of Jambi I mean just like I don't see I don't see the whole it's just a continuation thing thing as an insult I see that as a compliment because they had lightning in a bottle on that album in my opinion yeah I agree I feel like um, some people uh, don't really don't really like consistency. I mean, consistency is, you know, overall a positive thing in music, but there are some people who just really want to see something different whenever the new release comes around. But then you're at a bit of a strange crossroads because then if the release coming up is too different, then they won't like it either. Like, it has to be different enough to where it distances itself from previous releases, but similar enough to where it still identifies as what it should be. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and so, yeah, like if Tool would have pulled a, uh, a perfect circle and released a uh, sort of uh, more electronically influenced pop indie album after 10,000 Days, then I could see some, some outrage from that. Um, but I feel like the the consistency of Fear Inoculum, especially in the idea that, like, every song feels really connected 
to the overall premise of everything. Like, and I guess this could be said with pretty much all of their albums, but each song feels like it's playing a part in this like chapter. You know, each song feels like an episode in a specific series or something. Um, and I always like it when music does that. When an album feels more like a story or a journey that you're going through, rather than just a one-off each time. Um, not that there's anything bad about albums that do that one-off thing, but I often find myself enjoying an experience a lot more when it feels like you're going somewhere, or you're moving, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I totally agree. I, like, that, like, that soul, like, I don't, I don't know how to quite explain it, just, um, just a story, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just stuff like um basically anything Pink Floyd that's that blew up. I mean there's a reason those blew up. Like Dark Dark Side, The Wall, Wish You Were Wish You Were Here. Right. I mean, just they're they did the impossible, especially on Wish You Were Here. They did the impossible and made the whole album fantastic but also made listening to an individual individual song equally as fantastic as listening to the whole thing yes and yeah it's it's just the, on on wish you were here they had some kind of wizardry going on in that album to where the the pieces are so great that they are literally a masterpiece on their own, and then they come together in the ultimate puzzle to make an even bigger masterpiece. Yeah, it's it's great whenever uh, it's it's great whenever like a song by itself can make an entire album for you. So then the rest of the album, you're just happy the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> because you, because you know that it's all just coming together and it's working, um, and and then there are, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm interested to hear your opinion on this. So recently, um, I've been sort of tuning my music listening experience with an approach to where I don't, not that I don't, I try my absolute best to not listen to singles anymore. Like if a if a band has an album coming up and they release a new song to tease that album, I try my best to avoid it and just wait for the album. Um, and that's because there have been so many albums that have come out this year in particular that have felt weaker to me because I already spoiled the singles for myself. That especially works for bands who release whose singles are the best songs on the album. So then the rest of the album just kind of feels like a I don't know, half-baked, maybe? <laughs> yeah, it's... It's definitely interesting, um... The whole kind of process of, like, album releases with, you know, releasing sing singles off of them and such. Because, yeah, I do... I do agree... It's... It kind of... Yeah, spoils the... Uh, like, your first listening of it, because... Your brain with only a piece of the puzzle kind of fabricates the rest of it. Yeah. So it it's either it's either you fabricate a like the rest of the puzzle and you like it, 
and you, or you fabricate the rest and you don't and in the event you in the in the event you do if it's wildly different to what you imagined it it just, you don't like it yeah if you if if you imagine the rest of it and you don't like it then that kind of you kind of come into it into listening to the album with kind of an already a negative taste in your mouth really for listening to it and I feel like that can taint the rest of the listening experience but I'm impatient and I listen to singles anyway <laughs> yeah that's that's the uh, initial problem I have is I really want to get myself stoked for this release so I listen to the single you know but um but uh, sometimes uh, I at least try my best to see if I can wait it out now um and I got this idea from um my my cousin Scott Smith uh who's a fellow music lover I actually he's on the next episode so he might he'll be able to elaborate on this I feel like um but he sort of was the one who made me want to uh sort of reconstruct my approach um, to avoid singles because he has found himself, you know, not enjoying albums as much whenever he invests so much into the sequels because that fabrication you talked about, about sort of creating the rest of the album in your head before it's even out, that often happens subconsciously. You have no control over that. It just occurs, you know? Um... And then when the album comes out, you don't even really realize at times that you have an expectation. But if the album goes against that subconscious expectation, then it's, it won't be very good to listen to. Um, and so, I don't know, I'm trying to think of examples. Like, <clears throat> um, my, my cousin Scott, he, he didn't listen to Fear Inoculum, the single, when that came out. Um, with Tool, I can totally understand it. He skipped the single and just waited for the full album because he's he's a pretty huge Tool fan and he was really afraid that that single could totally taint his view of the rest of the album. Um, and so, um, but he also did it with like the new Deftones record. Um, I listened to the first single from the new Deftones album, but I avoided the rest. And so I had a little bit of an image set up, but not the whole thing. Um, and that album ended up being phenomenal. But it took myself took myself a little while to really love it. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm just getting a little more critical about music. Not in an annoying way. I feel like it's in a beneficial way. Um, but there was a point in time in which I just loved everything I listened to. Um, and I had absolutely no disliking for anything and I at times I wish I could return to that state but then again I felt like kind of a kiss ass in a way to just be like oh man it's all so good and then someone else is just like do you not see that this album's just kind of meh um <laughs> but then again each to their own everybody can truly love whatever they love I'm totally for that um but I just feel like in order for me to do album reviews on a podcast and also I'm a part of a lot of music pages online now so I'm constantly talking about releases and stuff and so at that point when I start having to talk about things publicly I have to develop a bit of an objective mindset towards these things not you know to not totally 
throw people off. Because if I say every release this year was absolutely phenomenal, then people are going to go in with an unrealistic mindset to listen to those things. Um, but if I say this release was pretty strong, but I can see a few weaknesses in it, people are a little more intrigued to see what they themselves would think about it. Yeah, I me mean, personally, I actually I don't like reading any kind of reviews at all. Mm-hmm. Before or after I I listen to something, yeah, because totally understandable. It's just um, the it's there's always something that taints something I enjoyed before. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, it's it's hard to explain. Like there is a certain. My mind kind of glosses over stuff when I'm listening. Not, I don't, I don't know if that's the be- best way to explain it, but it's that my brain just kind of accepts it for what it is and doesn't really critique it at first. But whenever I see someone point out something, I'm like, yeah. And then I just slowly unravel just this scroll of critiques that I come up with. Until eventually I find I just don't really like the said thing anymore. So I try at m- the best I can just to not read reviews. Because I feel like it's almost de- de- detrimental to me enjoying something. Honestly, uh, I'm really happy that you have that viewpoint because that's really beneficial. (laughs) Um, And I'm also glad that you could bring that viewpoint to this episode because it creates a nice discussion here. Um, I can totally see that. And honestly, I don't know why I still read reviews or even do reviews because I myself don't agree with them at times. Most of the time I never agree with them. Um, And... I can, yeah, there have been times with, uh, with myself where I've read, uh, I've gone into a re- review about an album I really care about and I've come out a little bit changed, I guess, and then when I listen back through that thing, I'm just like, man, is that problem really there? Or is that reviewer just tripping or something? Um, and yeah, it's definitely happened to me. I think that happened to me with... Um, it was the the newer Interpol album back in 2018. Um, a lot of people were disappointed with it, but I absolutely loved it. Um, but I loved it before I looked at reviews, and when I looked at reviews, I almost like second guessed myself. I'm like, does this album suck? Um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and I was like, people were complaining about the mix. They're like, it's really like lo-fi and like rough around the edges like they recorded it in a garage or something but that's actually what the band was going for they recorded it in a really crappy studio because they were looking for a sound that felt more natural um yeah i that yeah i love i love stuff like that yeah because it just feel yeah exactly it feels more natural like just it feels um, it, it feels easier and harder to listen to something like that at the same time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and after those reviews, you know, for a little while, I almost felt a little bit embarrassed to love this album. Um, 
Um, but then eventually I found the right communities online that were actually praising the album, and it seems like the album has made a relative comeback over a couple years of being out. People have come back to it and have been like, you know what, this is good. I don't know what I was thinking the first time around. Um, and so yeah, oftentimes it really does take time to, to, to digest something. If you come out and review it day one, that's not going to be a good review at all. <laughs> Gotta get those internet clicks, though. You know what I'm For saying? For sure, yeah. The just come out and you're like, "Whoa, look! The new Tool album sucks." Click on my post, and you know someone clicks on it and then gets mad for reading it. It's like, well, they kind of baited you, didn't they? Um, yeah. <laughs> gotta get that ad revenue. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I totally see that with the with the reviews tarnishing my experience thing. That happens. It still happens for me every now and then, but it happens to me so much more with video games. Um, and it's terrible. I really need to shake it. I need to just... Sh <sighs> I think every time a really big game comes out, I just need to log off for a while. And just get off the internet and then play the game by myself with no one to tell me otherwise. Um, because this just recently happened with Cyberpunk. Yeah, I, I adore the game. Actually, it's maybe one of the best games I've ever played in my life. And all of this hate it's garnering is making me sad. Genuinely sad. And I, I almost just want to unfollow everything. Just to disconnect myself from all those people who are being so negative towards it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of different for me with games, though, because... The, the I don't like to like do like the story part of it. Obviously, I don't like to spoil myself. But for like a technical review, like seeing how it runs and stuff, I do that for basically every game I buy. Especially, uh, especially now that there's the cons, the the generational gap. Because every time there's a generational gap, the the older consoles suffer on the new games. Every time. And it seems to be exacerbated on Cyberpunk 2077. I mean, have you have you seen like videos of it running on like even the even the the One X? Oh yeah, it's it's a problem for sure. And uh, no, yeah, I totally see where you're coming from there. And with technical reviews, I can I can be a little more lenient because. Yeah, I do want to know if, if if a game's even gonna function on my device, whatever it may be, and, you know, if it's, you know, or if I should wait a while. Um, and with, there are, you know, I should elaborate a little more, the people who are on consoles playing Cyberpunk have an absolute right to be pissed right now. Absolutely. Um, and I do think the console release of the game is rocky. It's really rough, and... Um, I think they should have given that more time to cook. Um, but, you know, then you have, then you look at all the variables and you realize how terrified they were to do another delay, a fourth delay. Yeah. Um, and they were like, we were afraid that another delay was going to destroy our business. And I'm like, ah, I can't blame you. I mean, the, the last delay they did, they got over 300,000 death threats. Like, I, c I can only imagine, like, what it's like to be in that position. and But also, I feel like people ne also need to do their research and understand the source of these problems. 
um, you know, uh, I believe I, I talked about cyberpunk with Jace too, um, and, and that, um, it's mainly the management that's at fault for this release yeah. catastrophe. The, the developers just did what they could, seriously, they, they worked so hard for these eight years, and they're still working hard. They just released a patch today for Cyberpunk, and they said it wouldn't come out till after Christmas. They went out of their way to work their asses off to get this patch out right before the holidays, and I have to commend them for that. Um, even even though this release has sort of tarnished their reputation very slightly, they're still working as fast as they ever did, and I can really respect them for that. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's just a shame, honestly, because, I mean... I'm I'm all, I'm also very glad. I I almost broke my rule. I almost pre-ordered it. I wanted to. I almost did. Yeah. But uh-huh. uh, I'm I'm on one X, and I if I had if I had pre-ordered it, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be playing it right now. Cause I mean it's 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 performance-wise, it's it's ridiculous. Like yeah, it gets into the teens in frame rate sometimes, and that's just. It's just, it's part of me. I've, I've, I've said it myself, and I, I've seen other people say, it and I agree with them. This game should have been a next gen game only. I don't Absolutely. think, I don't think there's any amount of optimization they can do on, especially like the One S and the even the original Xbox. Yeah, there is no way you are getting that to run at even a stable thirty frames per second, no matter what you do for that game. Yeah, I have to agree um, because, yeah, uh, there there are a ton of people saying that same thing that that uh, you guys should have probably just admitted that a previous gen release of this game simply would not be adequate and keep it on next gen. Um, and there yeah. were e- there were even a a lot of people who suggested, a lot of people who actually asked them in a Q&A, could it have been possible to delay this game on consoles and release it on PC because it's relatively stable on PC? And they were like, yeah, that would have been totally possible, but we didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even to be fair, on the new consoles, I mean, besides the glitches and stuff, because there are definitely bugs and glitches in there. For sure. Um, it runs fine like on performance mode on the series x it runs at basically 60 all the time yes yeah yeah i have a i have a relatively last gen pc maybe even maybe even last last gen i don't know um it's uh it's hard to talk generations with pcs because parts get released a lot more frequently but um, I have. I have what are you rocking around? Maybe a twenty series in I there. A, I have a standard ten eighty. Um, oh um, yeah, pro- I get that two de- generations behind probably. <laughs> There's a loud. Brand. Someone dropped a plate upstairs. Those. Um, but um, yeah, a standard ten eighty with a i7 8700K. Um, and that's not terrible. And I'm running the game uh, after overclocking uh, at high settings at a relatively average 55 frames. Um, And uh, that's after overclocking. Before overclocking, it was about 40 in the city and then 60 to 90 in the desert. Um, I'm I'm assuming probably around 1080p around there? Yeah, 1080p. I don't... 
Uh, I won't have the resources for a little while to upgrade to 2K or 4K, and I don't really mind. Um, I'm not a huge visual file kind of person. Um, but yeah, it's it's running fine, and the glitches are of course abundant, but the patches have been frequent, and I'm thankful for that. Um, and so now CD Projekt Red is taking their holiday break, and they will return in January to release the first flagship patch, which is supposed to be like one of those huge, like, 30 gigabyte patches that's just gonna try its best to fix everything. And then one more second flagship patch in February. And they estimated, yeah. they estimated by the end of February they hope to have ironed out the major issues, and hope to have last-gen consoles running at least... okay. <laughs> Nothing mind-blowing. Yeah, the, I can forgive... I can forgive bugs for the most part. For sure. Um, the only one I can't, I can't let them let slide on them, is the save corrupting. There, whenever for people who are listening that don't know, on PC, if your save file exceeds eight megabytes, which admittedly does take a while, mm -hmm. um, but when it does, your save bricks and you cannot recover it unless you have a backup. Yes. Um, and actually, that patch that I said came out today fixed it. Okay. Um, I so... will the credit where credits due. That was the that was the only bug I couldn't I couldn't really forgive because yeah, I totally you put understand. so much time into that at eight at eight megabytes. You put a lot of time in that save. I can't imagine the first person figuring that out and putting ooh, a bunch of hours into that and having their save bork itself. Yeah. I have to I have to definitely commend them for that quick patch because they found that issue two days ago and and they were just like oh <laughs> fixed um, yeah let me double check this just to make sure I'm not uh, false marketing here um, oh yeah yes. gotta check your sources <laughs> hotfix 1.6 PC specific removed the eight megabyte save file size. Um, this won't fix any saves currently corrupted, but saves that would be potentially corrupted moving forward have now been resolved. Okay. Um, they they yeah. admitted, they admitted before that a already corrupted save is irreversible. That's that, that's just a bummer, but you know they did what they could. Yeah, I feel like though that that should have that should have been found before. Yeah. I think with. They they should have had someone play through the game and really play through it, like not just like a, not just story playthrough, like yeah. someone go in and do it, like just go nuts. Yeah, I I honestly wish um that the game had um a save system more similar to The Witcher Three, um because The Witcher Three gave the ability to um to scroll all the way back in your saves like if you go to like load game and scroll down you'll find saves all the way back to your first five minutes of gameplay and none of it gets deleted um and cyberpunk doesn't have that they may they um not only uh, do they have that file limit or i guess now they don't they have the save display limit to where uh, i think it's limited to like 20 to 25 saves so if you go to load game and scroll down it's only like 20 auto saves a go where you can go back to which is just under an hour of gameplay likely um and so there was a i i've actually 
played the main story two times, and the second time I played it, I had to because I accidentally deleted a critical point in my saves in the first run through to where I got myself stuck in a loop to where I couldn't get back to my original point. Um, and so, so I, I wish they had like the system where you could go all the way back in case you need to, you know, just to reset that. I feel like that'd be really beneficial. Yeah. I am... I just feel like a lot of these, especially... I, I know I keep harping on it, but the 8 megabyte thing... Um, I th I think I think that could have been found pretty easily with just a QA person just you know yeah going in totally because I mean it's not like that's it's not even like that's a rare thing there are a lot of people that just just try to just go for it in a game and do a bunch of stuff even after a story like oldie but goodie for me that I actually I did I played similarly is actually just cause two. I don't know if you know that one. Yes. Well, that one, uh -huh. that one's really fun. You play through the story, but even after you're done with the story, you can go in and just, <laughs> for lack of better word, just fuck with shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, there, there are a few aspects like that specifically in which I think games are moving backwards, um, especially with things that are just. You know, they're, they can be rather, like, frivolous on the surface, but, I don't know, things as simple as, like, if you're talking multiplayer or co-op, like, split-screen, like, split-screen has been killed. Like, there's almost no next-gen games that support that, and I think it's a bit messed up because there's, there's a, still a huge market of people who play locally together in the same room. And I feel like they're just totally, it's a huge FU to that market, you know. Oh, buy your own system. We're greedy, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, even even before, like, this generation, well, I say this generation as in, like, uh, the, the Xbox One, PS4 generation. Um, back playing on, like, 360 and stuff, uh, whenever I'd play, like, Black Ops 2 or something, I, I, I love zombies and uh, black op zombies like I I used to know life that <laughs> um, whenever I play like split screen on say uh, I don't know if you know the game but on a map like buried um, yeah um, I notice whenever a, a bunch of stuff would be going on like we're camping in the alley by jug <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it just it it just would the frames would just drop like crazy it's just even even before so like even before like i guess now the old generation it was already starting to kind of go downhill for split screen like i feel like it was starting to become more of an afterthought more than making sure the game is optimized to make sure it still ran well for that too yeah yeah absolutely there's a there's a I've definitely found a lot of areas in some games and where just weirdly enough there's that one sweet spot in the world and I guess sweet spot's the bad way to refer to it but that one spot in the world where for some reason nothing runs well it's almost like there's maybe just one pixel that they messed up and it's just throwing everything out of out of proportion or something I don't know but yeah for sure um 
feel like there's something else I had to say, but... <clears throat> you know, I've really wanted to get into... I've, I've, I've had a pretty deep passion for games journalism. I've really wanted to get in that, but, like, there's so many, like, toxic pits in that community that I don't think I could imagine working in that kind of area. Yeah, dude, it's it, it it can get really really terrible sometimes, but there are there are some really good communities like are, um, yeah. like I'm I'm not super deep in there, but I'm I'm decently a part of the Smash community, mm-hmm. and there definitely is are, are there toxic circles in there, definitely, but for the most part, it's uh it's pretty all right in there. And also, generally, indie game community communities are just great. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that's probably the best place to be at all times <laughs> if you're looking to do that. Like, um, I don't know if you know it. I actually think it won best indie game, uh, I think, in 2018? It was either 2018 or 2019, but it was Celeste. Yeah. That game and its community are fantastic like uh just great game great story great people it's it's awesome you know uh the i feel like it's it's done a better job of spreading mental health awareness than i think most campaigns have Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah there are a lot of a lot of startups uh, and like indie game communities, they're just really nice to be a part of. Um, they're um, trying to think of a specific one that sort of impacted me. Um, there are a lot of games that you know. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jace and I mentioned this too. Um, we uh, uh, Jace made the comparison. He compared uh, Cyberpunk's release to No Man's Sky's release. Um, and, yeah. And while yeah, there's a lot of parallels there, um, like, gosh, No Man's Sky should probably win the award for best gaming comeback in history. I know, right? Um, I have it on the, <laughs> I have it on my One X right now. I don't pop Jeez. in it as much anymore, but it, Sean Murray, people called him like a liar, a bunch of stuff whenever yeah. the game originally came out. And I don't think he was necessarily as evil as that. I I, sure. I might sound like as an apol- uh, apologist or something, but I think all the stuff that was in there that wasn't, I think it was stuff they genuinely wanted to do, but I think the game was just hyped so much yeah. that it was it was a similar yeah similar situation. They felt like they had to release it, otherwise people were going to be very angry at them. I mean, because they're like a they're like. They were like what a team of seven people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's different, you know, getting all that you know, uh, crazy hate on like a major major corporation like like CD Projekt Red too. Because um, mm-hmm. I mean, with with a, a team as small as that, it's it's a lot more personal. Like the like. The people that are making those kind of threats, like they actually know who you are, they know who you are, and they probably could find you decently easily. Yeah. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more about those remarks. I I feel like I was I was definitely quite 
I I was following No Man's Sky like all the way back in 2016 when I I saw like just like blips of it popping up here and there before there was even a true reveal or anything and like I was immediately sold on it um, and that this was back when I was a pre-order kind of person I stopped pre-ordering as of late 2018 um, just as a rule um, and but I was pretty much sold on that game no matter how it came out and even though it undeniably came out missing like 70% of what Sean Murray had mentioned, I still enjoyed every bit of it, and like I played through it and I was like, man, I really like this. I'm like, people should be digging this too, right? And I go to Steam and I see the overwhelmingly negative rating, and I was just like, oh, what happened? And I read into it and I was just like, oh, okay, I see. Um, and But then they just made this comeback. Um, I think Hello Games recently just posted this like this like end of year wrap up um they released um let's take a look uh i'm trying to look it up um they released four five six seven eight nine, ten. over 12 expansions this year um and and like five of those expansions were major and the rest of them were just you know new stuff like here's a new thing to explore and stuff like that yeah i mean with some of those like major expansions i mean they basically made a whole new fucking game yeah. like with um no man's sky next i don't know if you were keeping up with them whenever they yeah. came out that came out but it was such no pun intended again a game changer i mean you had you had genuine. Ba I think it had a genuine bases you can make. You could actually make planets your home. You could. I'm pretty sure, if I remember remembering correctly, you could create bases on multiple planets across the entire galaxy, and you could literally put portals in both in those bases and travel between them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was great. It it gave a genuine sense of per actual like progression. But yeah. beyond just going to the center and then starting over again and doing it over and over and over again. Right, yeah. Absolutely, and they just keep expanding on that in ways that I don't expect. Like, there are some things I just... I, I wanted but never expected them to add. Like, I think with one of the most recent updates, they added, um, they added like, volcanic planets. And I think there, uh, at one point I was like, volcanoes would be cool, wouldn't they? And I'm like, yeah, they probably won't do it. And then they added them. I'm like... Nice. And then they added... <laughs> then I was like, wouldn't more uh, realistic weather systems be nice? Eh, it's probably gonna be a while. And then just recently they added tornadoes and, like, cyclones and stuff like that. Like, weather systems. Um, wow, I haven't played the game in, like, I think a year and a half. I'm gonna have to jump back yeah, in now after this. I've, I've found that tornadoes and, like, serious storms are pretty rare at the moment, but I find volcanic planets pretty often. Um... Uh, but yeah, I just, I love how every time I'm like, this would be so cool, but there's no way they're going to do it. And then they do it. And I'm like, well, I've been bested. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, the only, the only huge criticism I have for No Man's Sky is a technical um, change they made back in No Man's Sky Next. Um, on on all platforms, um, they made this change specifically to abide by Sony's VR rules on PlayStation VR. 
Um, but they swapped out the graphics API and API's application programming interface. They switched that out from OpenGL, which is a Linux-based open source system, to Vulkan, which is a very new, unfinished, and really troubled software um, that is closed-ended, it's not open source, so nobody can see the source code or anything. Um, they switched to Vulkan specifically because Sony said, uh, we only support Vulkan here, you can only, for VR games, we only support Vulkan. So you either make the switch to Vulkan, or else we're not releasing your game on PlayStation. Um, and so they were like, ah, alright, we gotta do it. And Vulkan worked fine for consoles, because it was designed for that kind of environment. Vulkan was kind of a disaster on PCs, because PCs are unfamiliar with Vulkan, Vulkan is rarely used on PCs. Um, and so, after Next came out, although I enjoyed the hell out of all of the content, and had a lot of fun, um, Vulkan was causing taxing performance issues on even the best PCs. Ridiculous frame drops, really terrible hitching and screen tearing, um, and crashes too. And so it took PC gamers a little more time to warm up to it because they had to patch a lot of that stuff. Um, nowadays Vulkan is feeling pretty good, but I'm still noticing issues. So that's the only huge criticism I have at the moment, is I wish they could go back to OpenGL on PCs, because that's what we need. Um, but yeah. Yeah, um... Honestly, if I were them, I would have just kept it OpenGL on PC. I mean, because sure. the, I mean, VR, uh, PC VR, I imagine was a lot more flexible mm -hmm. with yeah. the kind of shading it, that is required. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a programmer. I, I don't, I don't know anything about that. But I imagine, I imagine it's a lot more uh, flexible in terms yeah. of just how it does it, you know? Yeah, that's probably accurate. I'm sure you're 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 pretty close there. Um but yeah, um I I ended up uh voting for uh on on the Steam Awards, uh not just the Steam Awards, but also the game awards. I ended up voting for No Man's Sky uh for the ongoing game award, like the best the best game that had content added to it throughout the year. Um, and, uh, it, and it won at Game Awards. I don't know if it's won on Steam yet, because those awards aren't over yet. Um, but, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Um, yeah. I mean, and, honestly, good for them. I yeah. mean, I, I imagine they put a lot of work into it. Yeah, and their team went from seven people before release to what? It's like... I think it's plus 100 people right now, at least either 100 or under, somewhere around there, but they've they've got a new studio and everything, so yeah, it's really cool. I liked uh, Sean Murray's reaction at the Game Awards. Um, since the Game Awards were done on Zoom, like whenever they announced the winner, they cut the image to whoever the winner is on the Zoom call. Um, and they announced No Man's Sky as best ongoing project, and like, Sean Murray is like mid-sip of a beer, like, while they cut to him, and like, he's just like, like he spits out his drink, and he puts his, his beer down, and he's just like, no way, and he's like, wow, thank you, 
he he wasn't expecting uh he wasn't expecting to win. He was expecting um uh Fortnite to win. Um because uh Fortnite has gotten best ongoing game for the past 2 years. Um so he was Wow, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he no was No Man's Sky beat Fortnite? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I was, cause he was totally, he was totally believing in that. He's like, he even said that on the Zoom call. He was like, "Wait, it's not Fortnite." He's like, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much." <laughs> um, Man, good for them. Cause I, I like I said, I don't think he tried to. I don't think he intentionally tried to mislead people in the marketing sure. in the beginning. Yeah, I, I think, think he was just really ambitious and just could not follow through with it even though he really wanted to absolutely yeah i was gonna say the same thing i think he was he was excited he was excited to be making his first big game because that studio before had just made really small indie titles and so he was he was i feel like he got so stuck in that headspace of oh it's gonna be big and then by the time release date came by you know they were all probably like, we actually can't make that happen unless we delay like another two years. And he's just like, oh, damn. Um, well, release it, <laughs> see where it goes. Um, and people and everybody expected them to take that money and run. And they did not. They took that money and invested it straight back into the game, which is exactly the right move. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just... It's just great to see stuff like that, you know? Yeah. You know, it's just... Yeah, it's just, it's just great. It's just great. <laughs> Absolutely. Um... I realize we kind of went off on a tangent. Are there any specific questions you want to ask me? No, I don't have too much structure set up here. Um, that was a good tangent, though. Tangents are kind of what we do well here. Um... Well, yeah, I, I enjoy just talking to people, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been having trouble with a lot of trouble with creativity as re as recent. Um, I've, I I guess I I have entire episodes based on healthy creativity here. You know, talking about how you can get better at um you know songwriting or being a more proactive musician but at the same time i still struggle a lot in that department i agree with all the mindsets that i've preached and everything um but i myself am not the most skilled when it comes to executing that kind of stuff i just know from experience uh talking to a lot of of artists and mentors and stuff like that that that's all the right stuff to do but i myself have been struggling to get off the ground with any of my solo projects. Um, I've, I've noticed that I'm so much better of a collaborator than anything else. Like, if you put me in an environment with other musicians, I will thrive and be the happiest can be. But if you put me by myself with all of the instruments I could ask for and tell me to do something with it, I just get depressed. <laughs> it's, it's difficult. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird for me. Um, I actually don't write by myself that often. Although I actually I have been planning to try to do something. I'm just trying to figure out the actual how I would do it because I don't really have a bunch of recording equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's yeah, I find it I find it easier to write by myself, but I find it more enjoyable to write with others. For sure. Um I feel like I can write good stuff by myself, but it's um I definitely have my own particular style and I feel like if I wrote with my myself too all too similar um like writing writing with you like for those who don't know us we had a uh, we you know oh well you mentioned at the beginning we're in a we're in a project together when mm-hmm. we had a practice a couple weeks ago and at the, towards the end we all just decided fuck it let's play uh, each other's instruments and um other people couldn't stay for too long, but after uh, everybody else left and we were just jamming by ourselves for a bit, I was playing bass, she was playing guitar. Um, normally, it's the other way around. And just there was something going on that really, really worked with me, at least in my brain. Mm-hmm. And it's something I don't think I would ever play by myself, not in a million years. But it just, it playing, playing what we were playing together it just felt right it felt completely natural yeah at least to me oh yeah i totally see where you're coming from it it is interesting when you you shake things up and you realize that that unlocked something within you to 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 do something that's just not that would never come to you uh in any other situation um and I, i feel like i definitely need to mess with that mess with my versatility a little bit um because i come up with different ideas depending on what instrument i'm on and but i think my biggest problem with with writing stuff is i the one the biggest roadblock i have is writing on drums um i like I'm I'm a relatively confident drum player and I can put something together for sure but I can like if I have this idea let's say it's on bass since that's my primary instrument and usually where I begin writing on if I write something on bass this cool progression this riff this series of chords and I'm like that could be something really cool um, and then I maybe imagine or even play some rough guitar sketches along with it whether that guitar is supporting rhythm or just doing weird accents and stuff and then it comes down to I can imagine how the drums would probably be along with it but I can never execute that um, specifically if I get behind my drum kit and I start imagining the bass and guitar parts that I've already created, it's hard for me to connect those. To to just write something alone on the drums with nothing accompanying me and just imagining the song progressing. That's my biggest problem. Like, I just can't make it work there. Um, and so I've... Oftentimes, uh, if, you know, there will be times where I try to outsource to other drummers. I mean... I was there was an album I was making with another person um, earlier, early this year, late last year, or something like that, um, and that project ended up falling out um, just because not because of anything serious, just because the other musician uh, had other things to do in life and he just didn't have time to focus on it, um, and so 
that was really cool with him because he would simply provide me with like drums and maybe a rough synth and then everything else was my responsibility. If you can provide the drums to me, I can create whatever the hell you want. But if you ask me to provide the drums, it will be a failure, at least for now. Um, and so I, I really need to get better at incorporating drums into the rest of my musicianship because it's just hard. There's a disconnect there, and I can't seem to find the problem. Yeah, I definitely see what you mean on, especially on drums. I'm, I'm the same way. I like listening to stuff I can like it's like other songs and stuff and even writing my own stuff I know exactly I mean even complicated stuff um one I was just doing for fun a couple days ago I just played along to La Villa's Giado <laughs> by Rush mm-hmm. and I know exactly what he's doing I can visualize exactly what he's doing the problem is the dexterity Right. I feel like drums more than I feel like drums more than almost any other instrument to be an athlete too to play that. It's the yeah. physical de- the physical demands to do some of the stuff especially like on that song for example. It's just you can't just sit down, know what it is and just play it. It's, yeah. That just not that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there's, they're, they're definitely like a cardio-based instrument. Like it's the only thing where you have to, you know, just be, you have to have this endurance to work with. And also, like, um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Um, it's. Oh, I totally blanked out there. Felt like I had a point to make. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, gu- yeah, I guess exactly it's... Yeah, exactly Yeah, um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely one of the hardest instruments to tackle in terms of just, like, where to start. I feel like percussive instruments, you know, are on a completely different level than instruments that produce notes. Um, because at least, you know, at least with, a like, a note-based instrument, like bass, drum set, and even something you know, like, uh, orchestral, like a violin or a cello or something, those notes are presented to you in a way to where you can just access them at any time, anywhere, as long as you know where it is um, and ha- the basics of how to play. And the, the complexities come when connecting those notes together in ways that are either unique or in ways that simply work. With drums, it's different because the only thing that's presented to you is the physical object that you are hitting, and simply, the and the complexity comes pretty much immediately. Instead of, you know, at least knowing how to produce the sound, you have to first know how to uh, be articulated enough to make it happen. Separate your arms and legs first of all. Um, and then get more detailed by separating each individual limb to where, you know, you could be doing something crazy on the ride over here while your leg is doing something completely different independent and then your snare is happening on an offbeat or something like that. Um, I feel like that's like, there that sort of application of, of, um, 
separation doesn't really doesn't occur at a grand scale on other instruments. With bass and guitar, there are there's still separation you need to learn by understanding how to separate each finger and make sure that each finger can do its job on the fretboard. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just a different area of expertise that I feel like I need to explore a little more. Yeah. Um... And I've had um I had a kind of odd, I guess, difficulty learning drums. Not necessarily difficulty in the tra the traditional sense. Um, I only have an electric kit where I am. I don't actually have any kind of acoustic kit. I don't have access to any of that. So I'm finding that I'm actually developing habits and. Uh, bad habits I guess but habits that only work on that kit oh yeah um I I try to do some stuff uh the same stuff on a normal uh quotation mark normal kit um that just it just won't work uh like I on my electric kit I can do a quick bounce uh, just with my with one hand and, and get a consistent hitting going on but I do that on, on an acoustic uh, kit and it just sounds like garbage it doesn't sound good yeah, it sounds yeah, yeah. like I'm trying really really hard to go really fast with one hand but it's not actually happening yeah there's there's like a totally different sense of like like electric sets versus acoustic sets there's totally different forms of rebound as well you know like on an on a electric set, your stick might come up a little higher when hitting the surface area, and you get used to oh, that. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you get used to that how high that bounces, and you start to incorporate that into your timing. And then when you get on an acoustic set and realize it's sort of more grounded, and your stick doesn't come up as much, you're just like, oh man, I have to sort of retrain my my arms to sort of work with that. And, or, you know, I feel like especially the symbols on an electric set are the hardest thing to get past because they're, yeah. they're, they're pads, they're not resonant, you know? And so, and yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely on the symbols, especially for doing, like, um, ride stuff, because on with the acoustic kit obviously i mean they're made out of literally metal so your stick basically bounces right off of them mm -hmm. on most not all but most electric symbols they're what, where you hit is basically rubber like mm -hmm. kind of stiff rubber so there's like almost no bounce to it yeah so you have to manually do everything you want to do with your wrist there's no incorporating the bounce in th into there really mm -hmm. which for some stuff like the classic, the classic, I say that I use this example because I love Rush, but the classic Neil Peart like uh, ride hitting pattern, he uses a lot of the bounce to get that going. It's basically impossible, almost impossible to do on electric symbols just because you don't have that bounce to use, or at least not as much of a bounce to use. Yeah. Yeah, that's. It's tricky. Um, oh, I remember what I was gonna ask at some point. Um, how was the, how was the recent house band show? Oh, it was it was great, man. Uh, from what I hear, 
I I'm I'm uh heard you mentioned you missed it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, at, uh, on the episode with Jace, I believe the Oak Park uh, school is going to upload it, or already has. I don't know where. I don't know if it's going to be on their Facebook page or something or other. I'd have to ask Julie or something, but um, yeah, the the show went great. Um, honestly, awesome. Like, honestly, the it's probably the best show I've ever played. I'm not even kidding. That's great. Yeah, especially in this time. That's a good thing to hear. Um, it's just... Everybody was so on their game. It was gr- great. Like, it's not even me saying, like, it was great. Like, I think great. But it's just... Everybody was just... I don't know if it's because it was the first show and what feels like forever or what, but I just everybody was just going, man. It was it was so awesome to watch everybody playing. That's it great. was so awesome. Yeah, I what I what I heard, you know, what whatever, um, you know, whatever videos that were posted, those sounded great. Of course, that won't come close to me actually being there, but yeah, it looked great, sounded great, um, and uh, it, it, it snuck up on me. I would have made a plan to go out and see it if, like, I, I was keeping track of my School of Rock work schedule, but the, not the student schedule, so when I realized that the students were going out to a show, it, it bypassed me. I was just like, oh, okay. Um, but you know, since since I don't I don't currently work house band shows, you know, it wasn't a part of my description. So, um, but yeah, I'm glad it went well. Uh, I'm just now remembering that you asked me about my projects earlier, and I told you about one. Um, the other project, uh, Major Matt Mason USA, is going very well as well. That's probably the most active one at the moment. Um, we. Um, we just recently did an online show. Um, it was a, a pr- it was a pre-recorded show that ended up being posted to um, a a New York-based foundation called the Boog City Festival. Um, and it was it's mainly like a poetry uh, and like uh, and fine arts festival, but they still have music, you know, whenever they feel like it, and so. I believe the last two or three acts of that festival were music-based, um, which uh, we were one of them. Yeah, I'm sad. I missed. I missed it. I forgot. I forgot about it, and I was. I realized like the day after. I was like, <laughs> "Fuck!" Because no I was. Worries. I was looking forward to seeing it because I heard like little snippets on your story and stuff, and it sounded really interesting. Yeah. No worries. <sighs> if, but. If you want, I could probably send you the the original video. Um, I sent I sent the original recording to just a select few people um, because it is an unlisted video on YouTube. So I, I I imagine we don't want it to get out too far. We only want to send it to the people closest to us. Um, but um, I imagine actually it might be on the Boog City YouTube channel. I'll have to check that after this. Um, and, uh, I will probably send back to you whatever I find. Um, but yeah, uh, no worries for missing it. It was pretty, 
low-key on the day it happened, and I didn't talk scheduling very much with people. And I believe, I'm not totally sure, but I think when I watched the live stream back, I think they lost some of our audio in like the first two songs. Um, and the original recording does have the audio, so if the audio is gone, I'll just send you the original, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, it's really, it's really interesting, just, even just from hearing the, the snippets, the, there is definitely a big difference between how you, how you play whenever we're playing and how you're playing whenever they, you play with them. And it's really, really interesting to, like, it's just really, really interesting to see the different influences in there. Yeah, it's definitely... It's a it's a totally different dynamic from any project I've been a part of. Um, it's especially a different a different environment and the idea that um, uh, understanding that I'm I'm not a founding member of the project um, because every band I've been with until this one I was always like a part of the upbringing you know um, or you know I was brought in very shortly after the upbringing. But, so, with this project, with Major Matt Mason, whoop, I'm a little bit louder now. Okay, um, there, like, this project has been a thing since 1994, um, and so, uh, or at least, you know, the, the, the general idea has been a thing since the 90s, um, but, you know, it started out as a solo project of Matt, our vocalist and guitarist, um, and then it, you know, he he had bandmates throughout time, like drummers, and um, I think he had the occasional bassist, because I think they've talked about having a bassist before, but, like, I'm, I think I'm pretty much their first, like, consistent bassist that, like, returns to like practice and shows and stuff like that where usually they would just have someone help them out I think Matt may have to correct me on that I may have him on an episode because I don't know the exact history but um but yeah uh it's a totally different dynamic from what I've usually worked with because I have to understand that um I'm a part of a project that's been a thing for a long time the sound has been there for a long time and the mission is less of to create from the ground up and more of to create whatever accomplishes the vision of the creator. Um, so not that there's like a monopoly, it's not like Matt has control over everything we do on our instruments, it's just that he's going for something, he's going for a sound, he's going for an approach, and I have to do my absolute best to fit that and move that forward while also providing new creative outlets as we go. Um, I think they see some benefit in having a fresh mind in the band, me being the youngest one. I'm like 19, and Matt is 50, and his drummer is in his mid-40s. Um, and But yeah, they're great guys, and I definitely have to... I think I, I did talk to Jace about this. Uh, after making such complex music with formalities and then actually joining Major Matt Mason like it was jarring at first like they were like whoa like uh, I think you need to dial it down a little bit 
And I was like, oh, really? I felt like I was doing the bare minimum. And they're like, no, you see, you're doing all these inflictions and these really fancy things that we're not really going for yet. You can do that later, but right now we're just trying to get a rough road map of what the song's gonna be. Um, and so yeah, the writing starts out extremely simple, and then slowly but surely evolves into something more complex. And I'd say uh, the most complex thing about our music is the dynamics, um, and maybe even the communication side of things. The music itself... Oh, is there a cat here? There's a cat on my desk. Um, the, the, the music itself doesn't sound extremely complex on the surface, but it's the cr sort of the construction of it and the dynamics that we follow throughout it that make it really something interesting to listen to, I think. Um, but I'd have to hear the opinions of the listeners because I don't know for sure. Yeah, he's uh, he sounds like a cool guy. I hope I could uh, meet up, meet him sometime and chat chat with him. Uh, I mean, because when you talk about him, I mean, he, he sounds like he really like has been around, you know, uh, and done his thing for a while. It, I just love to like talk with some someone, hear the perspective, someone who actually, you know, has been where I'm trying to go, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely it's definitely interesting um, because he, like, yeah, like you said, he's he's been through it. He's seen pretty much everything. And hey, stop it! Sorry, my cat's messing with things here. Stop! Stop! <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely a like you know you can always look to him for like advice on the future like what how optimistic can i be to be in the studio at some point or like what should i expect from these type of shows like he knows a lot about it and he's um i think he's very wise and he has a lot to say about that kind of stuff um but yeah i'm sure you'll meet him at some point it's it's inevitable eventually i think when when things get better whenever that may be i think we'll be more out and about as a band we'll probably be playing at venues or you know going places together and stuff um and i would love to have matt or brian either of those band members on the podcast and it might happen um i feel like they'd be open to it um but then again i have no idea um yeah um yeah, yeah so. I'll go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no worries. Yeah, so that's how that's going. Um, we are slowly but surely putting together more and more material, and I think our plan is to put together is to is to put together an album at some point. But nothing is set in stone. We're very in the air about how we're going to produce it, because I know throughout his career, Matt has been a part of different record labels he's produced by himself he has his own independent label that that we're technically under called olive juice music um and that's where he he sort of how he publishes most of his own stuff alone and so yeah it's uh very interested to see where it all goes because honestly it could go anywhere um but it is cool um working with someone who's like just at this point just doing it because he loves it really like even though he's been 
you know, through the industry and he sees how all this works. He's still doing it just because it's a passion and it's something that's enjoyable. He's never been really hooked by the the higher ups in the industry to, you know, constantly crunch and punch out music and stuff like that. And I think that's it's good to sort of stay away from that and be your own creator and create health healthily and be mindful of all of that. Yeah. It's not, uh, this isn't necessarily, it's kind of related to it, mm-hmm. to that topic, but it's, it's become more and more of a, or I guess, urge. I've, in our, in our band, our, mm-hmm. oh, like our grindstone, um, I just, more and more, I don't hate it, but I just haven't f- really been feeling doing the covers that much. Yeah, I totally understand. It's, um... I mean, you you already do enough of that with School of Rock, you know? <laughs> I can totally imagine yeah. feeling a little bit... a little bit off on that. It's... There's been this part of me more and more that's been kind of wanting to say fuck it, and just let's go in all in on writing our own original stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I know that's probably not the best idea to get known but it's just you know yeah I mean you know it's it's really uh, in the end it's whatever feels right for us I mean what what should always come first is what feels like the best option to us as musicians creators and people it should never be what's the best option for other people or for other systems um, because in the end we're doing it because we enjoy it and um, that's why it happens that's why it's that's that's how good creations happen when it comes from passionate people and so honestly I'd be down to go face first into writing if that's the decision that we want to make to stay happy then that's fine it's whatever whatever works for us really yeah, and I don't even necessarily mean like just completely get rid of covers altogether. Mm-hmm. Like I, I still think it'd be fine to do covers to a to somewhat of, to like a degree, but it's just that mostly in our band, basically all our materials covers, mm-hmm. and it's just like for some reason I was fine with it at first, but for some reason just as of recent I haven't been really feeling it. Yeah. Like, and why? I, th- I th- it's I have a feeling, but I just can't really explain it. Um, I I guess it's just the the want the desire to express myself, yeah, and also uh, express my myself with other people. And I feel like doing covers, while that is fun and a way to express myself to a certain degree it's the the, the, I guess emotional vulnerability isn't really there like it like it is whenever you're writing something that is coming from your own from yourself or from yourself and other people yeah absolutely I totally get it there have been I mean everything you're saying right now is um, Actually, I don't want to speak for him, but 
if I recall right, this is the exact reason Luke left School of Rock when he did. Um, is because he he came to this he got to this point to where covers were giving him absolutely no joy. <laughs> and although he loved and he loved working with all the people he was with, he you know he loved all his fellow students and everything. He himself did not feel ha he no longer felt happy in that environment, and he had this really um, really extreme desire to create by himself and and. Um, and just express himself in ways that are natural to himself. And so, you know, he uh, he left School of Rock um, when he did, and he, you know, put a little more work into formalities, put a lot of work into other projects. I think he actually just recently um, co-published a an album uh, with another person, I haven't listened to it, I don't know where it's available on, but I saw a post today on a story of him showing a stack of CDs that they just published, and I'm just like, whoa. Um, but the, the album cover has Luke on it. He's just standing there, like, under an overpass or something. It's really cool. Um, but uh, I'll have to ask him about it, either on the episode or I'll just text him and figure out what that was. Um, for for sure, man, and if it's, if it's out, shoot me the name of that. I mean... Whenever I hear you, formalities playing, I there's there's a how do I say this without it sounding almost negative? <laughs> there is definitely a major uh, I I feel influence from him in those songs. Absolutely, yeah. No, I totally get that. And I very much like the influence he has on those songs yeah I'm, I, I couldn't argue with that and I think uh, it's definitely I think I've even said this before it's very much a Luke band it's very much like uh, something that he would be a part of and enjoy working with but here's the crazy part and maybe Luke can elaborate on this most of the stuff that he does that you see him do absolute improv most of that is not pre-written <laughs> um and well, that dude's a fucking genius <laughs> actually I think it's been a really long time since Luke has truly written something before doing a show <laughs> it's really weird but he just makes it work yeah I feel like oh sorry I put my mic there um, no worries yeah, I honestly, I, I I relate to that. I think, I think my best stuff comes out of just literally improving with somebody. Like yeah. we just sit, uh, like we just say, "Hey, here's the key," and we're like, "Cool, let's do something." And uh, it, actually, uh, for people who don't know, before I was in Grindstone with Dane, before that became a thing, I was in a another band called the Zodiacs with a, a bunch of other good friends of mine. Fortunately, COVID kind of just just stuff wasn't working out with scheduling and stuff. But we would just be like, okay, I'm going to do this. And we'd, uh, uh, me or Chase would play something, and we'd just figure it out. 
And I feel like some of my best stuff has come from just doing that, just seeing where something goes. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's... Sorry, I'm tweaking some levels here. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, for sure. I often find that a lot of my, like, really awesome spots were, like, in a time of, uh, in a time of improv, um, and, like, it's gotten to the point where, like, in the event that Formalities does have a show coming up, and, like, you, you sort of come to the realization, and this is, like, half hypothetical, half real, because I was kind of thinking this before our last show, um, it was like, wait, like, has Luke even practiced? Like, and I, and I don't mean that, and, like, I'm not, it's not an attack on Luke, but I truly did wonder that at some point, because I know how busy Luke is, he's always occupied, and so I'm like, did he even have time to work on any of our stuff, or, like, get a rough idea of what he was going for. Now, if you did practice, Luke, if you're hearing this, if you did practice, awesome. Like, I'm not accusing you, but, you know, in the event that if I would have suspected you didn't practice, right before the show, I was just like, it doesn't matter. We, I totally trust him to take the show away, regardless if he doesn't have practice. And that's just how much faith that I put in him, because his improv is so convincingly songwriting even though it's not um his improv is so convincing that like whenever it comes down to the last minute you can trust him to hold you up hold your band up if you know if there's any moment of degradation of any sort really you know whether you feel like maybe you haven't practiced enough or you're feeling you're not feeling confident about the songs. Luke always just has a way of brightening things up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the dude... There's kind of an unsung like art to playing guitar, too, which is the art of mastering your pedals. Ooh, yeah. And that is something... Luke has probably the best ear I have ever seen for knowing just how to set something. Like, yeah. at at the last show I saw you guys play, just, and the fact that I know now that that was all improv makes this even more insane, uh, just, oh, his, his ambience on all of your guys' songs, like, I can't explain how he does something that awesome. <laughs> I just like I, I I can't wait for you guys to put music down, like music on like Spotify or something, so people people who are listening to this can actually go and listen to what I'm talking about. But he just he just knows he just yeah. knows exactly what is needed. Yeah, absolutely, and th I think that's the one of his best qualities um and uh you know outside of that he's even a ridiculously good songwriter because he's sent me his own ideas throughout time and i've just been like wow that sounds like it could be released right now and it would be a hit um and he would obviously disagree with me he's too humble <laughs> to admit something like that but i yeah i believe that and um yeah with the pedal thing I can't really fathom it 
um, because I I get into a very niche territory with pedals and the idea that I get comfortable to sort of just a few settings and I stay there for a really long time. Luke just has a, the ability to just be this absolute versatile monster with pedals. He's constantly changing and redialing things in very particular ways and um, it just always works out. I, I, I don't I can't remember any point where I thought Luke's pedals were too much at a show. There were times in practice where they were, but of course at that point we're just, you know, experimenting and stuff. But yeah, it's crazy what he does. Um, he's definitely uh, one of the signatures of our sound, and I'm really hoping that we can find some time to get together soon and start working on reviving this old stuff. Um, because all of those people are still truly really busy. Um, I know our drummer Taylor, I hope to have her on here as well. She, she works at um, Guitar Center a lot. Um, and then, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and she, she has, you know, college and she does a lot of school work and, and Luke has, Luke the same, Luke has two jobs and he does college work. Um, and then Jace, uh, he talked about working at Taco Bell a lot on the last episode, but they're closed, so I guess he's having some, a good week off. Um, yeah, busy people with very different schedules from mine, so it's often hard to rally them together, but it works eventually. Yeah, for all of his, all of his busyness and like just being occupied, I hope I get to talk to Luke soon. I'm last time I talked to him, like just, just talking about stuff, man. It's just like he's genuinely just on. He's all. He's sorry, I'm getting tongue twisted. He's an awesome guy. And he's, man, he is so fun to talk about, like, guitar stuff with. Because, I mean, he's just, (laughs) he he presents a completely different perspective than I would ever even think of. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. He he definitely, I think, out of all people I know, has some of the most unique musical mindsets. Um, And I won't go into detail. I'll talk that over with him when he's here, but... Um, it's, it is, like, really crazy sometimes how, how interesting he thinks about things. Um, I was, uh, actually, when I was at School of Rock today to pick up the Christmas gift that Julie had, um, I ran into David in the hallway and he was like, oh, Luke was just here. I'm like, what? He was like, yeah, he was here with Sheila. They said they were just stopping by to say hi or something. I was like... Okay, first of all, like, Luke was at School of Rock, like, that doesn't happen. And first of all, Luke hanging out with Sheila, I didn't know that would happen either, but, um, I, I guess he's oh, yeah. just, he's really in, he's more in touch with people than I think he is. He's just quiet at times. Yeah, Sheila was actually down at the Christmas show, and it was, it was awesome, because I hadn't seen her since the, uh, end of season. Uh, it, it was also pretty nice, too, because, like, she was, uh, at the end of the show, uh, from like my vocal stuff, she was like, "I'm proud of you, dude," and I was like, "Oh yeah. man, like get like getting a getting a compliment like that from from her. I mean, she is she is a fantastic vocalist. Yes, I mean, 
I remember in Prague whenever she was doing the tool stuff, man, it was I feel I feel like she did she did she did some stuff even she didn't know she could do. Yeah, for sure. Uh yeah, she's phenomenal and it's definitely uh like really something really crazy happens in your head when you get a compliment from someone who's like really seasoned on something that you're not very you're not absolutely confident with um like on one of my training days at school of rock i was sitting in on one of evan's vocal lessons um just just to spectate see how things work um and he had a student um and he introduced me uh to the student and the student was like do you do vocals too dane or are you gonna teach vocals here and i was like probably not i mean unless i really have to and then and then evan was like yeah he'll be mainly teaching bass and drums but dane's a dane's a good vocalist and like hearing dane's a good vocalist from eight stop sevens vocalist over there i was just like whoa whoa <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like more it's more of the fact too like she, it, she like went out of her way to come over and say like you know like, yeah. good job especially when that happens yeah i don't really think she said anything like that to anybody else at least if she did i didn't hear it so it's kind of even crazier to like she went out of her way to say good job mm-hmm. for and knowing how good she is witnessing how good she is it's just like it's um it's just a it's just awesome because you because i feel like that gives you like that kind of almost validation like you know like of like hey i'm improving at this i'm actually getting mm-hmm. like my work noticed by some people i think are genuinely awesome at what they do yeah absolutely yeah uh sheila i don't know if you listen to these uh, these things but um uh, it would be really nice to have you on sometime and catch up. I know we haven't talked in a while, um, so. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, especially when if people if people like visibly, like physically or even mentally, go out of their way to approach you at a show and just like tell you about what they think about it. That always gets me the most out of all things. Um, if you know maybe after a formality show someone singles me out and comes up to me and like compliments something about my bass work like that always you know hits so much harder you know than any other compliment um not that i'm not grateful for everything people say um but um you know there's that specific feeling of knowing that someone someone cared enough or was mindful enough to um to really focus in on your abilities and then appreciate them that's always really nice Um, because that's you know it's partially what we work towards you know we do this because we enjoy it we do it consistently because we want to get better at it and we're also looking for a positive reaction and you know when we get that positive reaction it's like mission accomplished man well yeah it's just it's um especially for like for me it's the for vocals it's the same as like uh if it would be like an original thing for vocals it almost feels more important 
at yeah. least to me, getting complimented on that. Because it's something, um, not to say that something like guitar isn't personal, but your voice is a very, very personal aspect of who you are. Mm-hmm. And to get complimented on something like that is... Uh, I don't quite know how to explain it, you know? Uh, especially, uh, especially for many people, many people like myself don't like their voice, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't like hearing their voice. It's almost, it almost kind of clears up some anxiety. If, I don't know, I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Well, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just great. And, yeah, just getting getting appreciated for stuff you really genuinely put so much work into. It's just such a great feeling, no matter what it is. What it is. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I'm with. <clears throat> I feel like. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I guess this isn't really uh, something you could connect to music very well. Um, but when you said like you know, being complimented on your voice, something that you don't really like, you know, was something that really resonated with you. Um, I had a similar thing with this podcast with my speaking voice, not my singing voice. Um, I've had two people now, maybe three, I don't know, uh, just a few people tell me that their primary reason for listening to this podcast is because of my soothing voice. Um, and, and hearing that was like really nice. I was, because I was always wondering if I ever sounded annoying to anybody. And I think it was nice to get validation that, okay, well, if I'm soothing, then that's, that's all the way, you know, it's okay. (laughs) Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, say, I have a similar sentiment as well to like the, um, originals uh, uh writing original music and such mm-hmm. like after our show on, on october um evan like legitimately like came up to me and l- complimented our original that we had we played wow. and awesome. it was yeah it was um kind of like it was it it didn't quite feel real almost cuz like <laughs> Because, like, we had actually written an original, played it to people, yeah. and had literally a person that's taught me everything I know about singing come up and say, hey, man, that was good. Yeah. Oh, and, and also on Virginia Moon, he really liked that one and how well me and JoJo harmonized uh, for contest, con, context for people listening. JoJo is our lead singer in Grindstone. She's a great person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially yeah. I, I especially knew he was gonna find a way to compliment that. Um, not that he had to find a way. He saw it. It was there. Um, but um, yeah, I had a I had a wholesome interaction with Evan at that show too. When I I went down to talk to him after the formality set. And I confessed to him that um, that was the most terrifying show I've ever played. <laughs> um, and I don't know why, but 
I didn't have a reason to be scared, but that show, I was an absolute nervous disaster. Like, uh, I did pretty well to cover it up, but I was shaking the whole time I was on stage, so I moved around a lot to compensate for it. Um, but shaking so much that I was hitting a lot of wrong notes, that would explain my not-so-perfect performance. Of course, nothing's perfect, um, but I went down to Evan and... You know, expecting him to just, you know, agree and nod with me. I was like, like, I was a nervous, like, just catastrophe up there. And he was like, nervous. I was like, yeah. And he was like, nervous for this show. I'm like, yeah. And he was like, it didn't show. I didn't see anything. <laughs> I was like, you kidding me? He was like, no. He's like, I saw a pure, absolute confidence up there. And I'm like... I'm like, and the wrong notes? He's like, what wrong notes? I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, it was... Man, he's... I, I love him. He's an awesome dude, man. Yeah, it was, it was enlightening to hear that from him, because I know how much I messed up at that show, but the fact that, you know, people appreciated the music for what it was, and, of course, people aren't gonna hate on you for hitting wrong notes. It happens, but... I don't know. I was just expecting that formalities come back to not crash and burn but be underwhelming for a lot of people because we did play like 60% covers at that show um and um but yeah we mainly played the covers just because we didn't have enough new original material to work with and we brought back a couple oldies as well so we didn't want to clutter things too much but it looks like now the oldies are what we're working with so next time we get together we're gonna revive it all and probably re remaster i guess more like reimagine it all in a way that feels new and uh akin to what we want to hear so i'm excited for that whenever it happens yeah i'm i'm personally really glad because um yeah, especially those first couple shows, like, I think, was it Battle of the Bands? It was like a competition mm. kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, that 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 was also a whole can of worms with that. I don't know if you want to go into that today, but, I mean, we can if you want, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, just, the songs just on there, on one of you guys played, uh, just really vibed with me, at least personally. Um... Like um, like one I the one. Like the one I genuinely remember and just have not forgotten because it just really stuck with me was wishful thinking. Mm, I I actually knew that would be the one you would you would stick yeah. with because it's our it. Um, not that like not that I think you only like prog music, but that's our progiest track, and I think you would really resonate with it. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a prog fanatic. I'm, <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. Although I do, re it's it's weird because I feel like um in becoming more uh, complicated, I have actually feel like I've started to regress a little bit as a player, mm. and I've been trying to course correct. I feel like. As of recently, I've tried to make things just too complicated. And while I think there is room for stuff to be complicated, I feel like I've been trying to 
make stuff complicated for the sake of being complicated. And literally, when I, I whenever we were talking about writing stuff, originally when we first started our, up our band, I literally said, I don't want to make things complicated for the sake of being complicated. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've been starting to do that, and I'm trying to just be like, no, stop that. <laughs> um, yeah. had to, I had to find the video. It, the video was titled... I sold it all just to buy this. It was like uh, it was a, a like a guitar channel. I have to remember his name. Um, I feel like it's Tyler something. No, uh, but the and the he bought this guitar, and at the end, he did like a demo playing a playing a solo with it. And. Dude, like, I'm not exaggerating when I say it's an experience. <laughs> that solo, he, like, captured lightning in a bottle with that one. <laughs> um, um, like, it's, it's simple. It does have a little bit of complicated stuff in it, like, but for the most part, it's kind of almost your David Gilmore kind of style thing. Like, you know, you got the kind of ambient track going behind there you know you got your slow beat going on giving you a really good pulse mm-hmm. um but dude just he played all the right notes <laughs> that's the best way i can explain it i don't think he could have played that any better awesome yeah i um i have that sort of um realization that you said you made about, you know, uh, dialing it back on, like, complexity and stuff like that. I had the exact same realization when, uh, shortly after I joined, uh, Major Matt Mason, because, like I said, they, they asked me to tone it down a little bit, and they showed me this, they showed me this whole new world of, being complex without having to play a ton of notes like a a lot of my playing with that band uh, like i've said before is often limited to root notes but it's the way i execute those root notes that are is now like the highlight of my playing in that band i feel like um and yeah and then the it's it took a little while for me to play simply again, um, and it's still a little bit of a challenge. I remember uh, I first, after one of my first official days working at School of Rock, Evan recommended to me that I get on the app and work through the books, um, like work through Guitar Book One and Two, Bass Book One and Two, just so oh, yeah. I can just so I can be you know as a teacher entirely familiar with the context and everything. Um, yeah, I think I remember you talking about that a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. I don't think it was the one with Jace, but I remember it on an episode. Yeah, I and um and when I came back to these like the first like pretty much uh, most of Base Book One, um it was difficult. It was really difficult for me to play through this book properly because I was so used to making things really fancy that it was now really difficult for me to come back to a 4-4 beat, 80 BPM, nothing, like, just three notes. 
um, and just alternate between those notes each measure or something like that. It was really hard for me to come back to that. It felt really bad at first, but then I realized like why it's so important, and so now I'm sort of working that into my teaching process with any students I have that, you know, don't try your best not to lose the connection that you have with the foundation because if you sever your connection with the whole foundation that you've learned and you stay at that high point making things that are just really ridiculous at times um, you can become a very disjointed creator and the idea that you can no longer find your roots really um, and so yeah I do think it's that's an important thing to keep track of and as of recent um, I feel like my my skill level as a bass player has hit a low point um, I don't feel like I'm doing the best I can in all regards now with Major Matt Mason I think I'm excelling with formalities I don't know exactly because we haven't met up enough and uh, with Grindstone, um, I'm not entirely sure yet. I need to process it a little more. But I just feel like uh, I've, I've had a gap in practice. I haven't had enough practice. And I feel like I'm falling back a little bit. And so as a teacher, I feel an obligation to be better to hold myself at a higher standard than I usually do, um, and so I'm trying to learn more, trying to be a little more accustomed to different techniques and different methods, because I, I want, you know, if a student comes in and wants to learn something, I want to be able to teach that. I don't want to be that teacher that where I'm like, ah, I don't really have experience there. Um, and so, of course, I can't learn everything. I can't be a master. Um, but, whoopsie. Um, but, you know, I want to do everything I can in that department to deliver uh, the service as a teacher, you know? Yeah, it's just... I find myself uh, starting to kind of go back, almost. Yeah. Um, not even just on playing, but on listening habits as well. Like, uh, basically since I was, like, maybe 13, probably. Mm -hmm. I think I might have even been younger. Um, that was around the time I heard 2112. Uh, uh, and it was, like, my brain just... <laughs> I know people can't... I know people can't see it, but I'm doing, like, the mind-blown thing. Um, and there's no denying that that record is why I'm playing. And it is a very important part of my musical identity. But I feel I'm, I'm starting to kind of go back, almost. I already said that, but I'm getting to my point. Mm -hmm. To listening to... Um, really simple stuff like I mean I'm listening to like Iron Man and I'm genuinely enjoying it because it's it's just simpler you know you don't have to you don't have to listen to it like five times 
to pick out every little detail of what's going on. Like, oh, it changed to 7-8 here for, like, two measures, and then it went back to 4-4. Four, four. Mm. <laughs> you know, random stuff like that. It's just, it go, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4, and it's just really easy to follow along, and it does what it needs to. Yeah. Sometimes there is that's all some you need. weird stuff. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. no worries. I, w- I was just adding on to that, saying sometimes that's all you need for the music to serve itself like that. <clears throat> yeah, just. And I feel like I'm I'm not gonna become the player that plays only simple stuff all the time. I'm I'm not that kind of I'm not gonna force myself is how I mean um I am still gonna obviously play you know the weird stuff when but the important thing I'm going through right now is learning when I need to do that Mm -hmm. not not doing it all the time and that it's part of the reason uh last time we were together I think it was the last time or the time before that whenever we were kind of you know messing with our original i was trying to um at that you know intro kind of just have a bit of a jam for a bit you know that where you're just doing your thing just kind of riffing it's something simple but i feel like it does what it needs to it it would do what it needs to in the context yeah for sure yeah i can totally see that working um and i felt like it was a it was a good idea good idea and then it, it it will work out in a way that that will feel just really appropriate for that kind of song um hopefully we'll have it released soon <laughs> yeah hopefully i feel uh, like it's almost there almost yeah. but think... then again i felt like it's almost there for like the past couple months <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's always like that you're always like yeah, it's solid, but then you have a whole nother thought, and you're like, oh, but this could be cool. <laughs> um, I know. I and, just yeah. I, ho- I just want to get something out there soon. I feel like we've been at it almost for... I know you can't rush things, but I feel mm-hmm. like it's been too long to not have something, you know? Yeah. Something concrete. Yeah, I mean... It's the same way formalities feels. I mean, we we were meaning to put out, put out like a demo, like a single song. We were meaning to put that out almost a year ago, and things just didn't progress the way we wanted them to. The song is finished. The recordings are finished. It's right there. We can just upload that. But like, it just as a band, we never made the unanimous decision to publish it. Um, even though we're sure that people would be fine if we did publish it, um, it's just our own, you know, our own inner critics reacting to that sort of situation. Um, yeah. Yeah, and kind of going back to the Grindstone original, it's it's that same problem I feel like I've been having. It it feels like it's weird all the time. Mm-hmm. Like the intro, it's simple-ish, but I still feel like it's weird. Uh, really, the only part I feel like is simple is actually directly after the intro. Uh, I know I know it's kind of hard for the listeners to follow right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
it's ju it's just simply going back between two chords, just holding out a, co a chord for a measure, then holding out another chord for a measure. Um, but then it just gets weird again <laughs> right yeah. after that. I feel like there isn't really a good hook. I guess that's the best way to describe it, mm. you know? Yeah, I see. Yeah, and I feel like we could we could probably flesh out the hook-related factors a little easier once we have vocals to work with. Um, yeah, for sure. Because we have no idea what the song sounds like with vocals yet, and that that could totally change the image. Who knows? Um, yeah, I've got I've been getting some stuff together, mm -hmm. lyric-wise. Awesome. It's it's nothing it's nothing complete yet, but I'm it's. It's getting there, and of course, I'm, other people might bring in lyrics too. So you know, hmm. yeah, <sighs> for sure. Well, Eli, I don't mean to cut the flow here, but we're just about at the two-hour thirty mark. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of easy for me to ramble sometimes. No, so no, that. it's totally fine. That's why we're here, and uh, you know, I don't mind it at all tangents are sort of how these things work and I feel like we talked really good things today um, this oh was yeah great. dude I really enjoyed being on here yeah and I would I'd be glad to have you again whenever I cycle through the rest of these guests I have no problem returning back to some other people whoever wants to come back on is totally welcome um, for the listener um, there was a bit of an audio change about uh, 50 to 60% through this, I had to cut the recording and start again, and it auto-corrected some of my settings, so you may experience a sudden increase in sound, but I immediately corrected it afterwards, so sorry if I blow your ears out for just about two minutes there. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, great discussion, Eli. It was good to talk to you. Um, yeah, man, it's great. We don't get really just talk like this that much. I, and, but whatever, whenever we do, it's just always so interesting. It's so, it's so, yeah. yeah. It's 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 really it's it's the situation where like you you get so used to like working with someone, whether that be at School of Rock, that's how it used to be, or you know, working with someone musically. Um, sometimes you often. Um, you know, bypass the personal side of things um, whenever you're busy. Um, and so I think it's good that, you know, after practice or on our breaks a lot of times we always have discussions and fill each other in on stuff, and this especially helps. Um, so, yeah, and I can, I can give that advice to anybody else. Like, make sure you don't make the mistake that formalities first made and make it to where everything is business. Um, because that will ruin you. It'll make you miserable. Make sure that you have a healthy balance between um, business, and what I mean by that is just, you know, whatever project you're working on, um, whether it be music or arts or anything, um, have a healthy balance between working and and just getting to know your people and having a healthy relationship with you, with your collaborators. It's very important. Um, I know there are some bands out there that do really well, even though they hate each other. Cough, cough, Dinosaur Jr. 
Um, <laughs> but um, there are tons of others, I'm sure. But if anybody who doesn't know, the members of the band Dinosaur Jr. despise each other, but they somehow just release a banger every single time. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know them, man. I just, I don't know how you could enjoy something like that, just forcing yourself to be around people you just absolutely despise. Yeah, the only way they function together is musically. They can't talk. They can't get along. They only get along when that four count happens. And that's yeah. it. Um, but yeah, but yeah, uh, great talks, Eli. Um, and uh, thank you so much to anyone who listened. Um, I have more guests coming forward. The list just keeps growing. It's kind of blown up ever since I made the announcement, and I'm really thankful for that. Thank you to everyone for your support and for listening. Um, and I think the next episode, it'll be after the, the holidays, I'm going to estimate um, Either the smack dab end of December or very early January is when the next episode will be coming. Um, no promises, though. You know how frivolous... Or, not frivolous. I've been using that word a lot. You know how all over the place I can be with these release dates. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Say bye, Eli. Goodbye, good friends. Um, and, uh, yeah catch you next time and oh and uh one more thing uh if anybody listening um has any sort of problem uh, with any of the language used like i'm sure cussing is eventually going to be inevitably introduced into these episodes um i'm sorry but uh my podcast is a place that i have created specifically where people can feel safe to speak um, I, uh, I'm open to absolutely any sort of language in this podcast, even if we have to descend into the dark depths of really controversial topics. If we have to, we will, if the discussion is healthy. And I just want to make it known that all of this is done in good heart. Um, and, uh, sorry, Mom. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, uh, again, and have a good one.